0: Morning, First Free Church. It's great to be with you this morning. Good to see you have survived the the hot weekend. I uh, I spent a, a couple summers down in Houston, Texas. If you if you haven't been down to Houston, their summers are just yesterday, all summer long. Um, and so I, I can remember one time uh, it was a particular day with three digit temperature and. Uh, 90 something percent humidity, and uh, I remember hearing someone give such an apt description of what we've been feeling this summer He said, man, when I walk out the front door of my house, it's just like I take a step out and I just walk into a dog's mouth. Right, and that's kind of that's that's a pretty good description of of what we've been experiencing this summer. So hopefully it'll get a little cooler, but uh, we're continuing our series called People Are Asking. And uh, I'm so excited about this question that we have here for you this morning to talk about. Uh, The question is, how do we invest in the next generation? How do we invest in young people? I can say that now because I woke up with a stiff back this morning. So how do we invest in the next generation. And I, I love this question. I love this topic. And it's not just because I've I've spent nine years now serving in, in student ministries, but it's because I think it's such an important thing for us to ask. And it's such an important thing for us to engage with is the next generation, because they're our future, not just of the church, but of our society as a whole, of humanity in general. And so um, God, God's word has something to speak on this. I mean, God himself, when he's speaking to uh, the Israelites, in uh, the book of Deuteronomy and he's giving them the law and how they ought to, instructions for how they ought to live as a community, as God's special chosen people. And this is what he says. In closing, he says in uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, he says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your strength, heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God knows the tendency of humankind we're all, every single one of us is broken. Every single one of us has sin in our hearts that, that drifts us away from the truth constantly. And we're just naturally drifting away from that with our, with our own passions, with our own desires. And God says, hey, here's the truth. Here's how you need to live. You need to share that again and again with your children, with uh, young people, with the next generation and continually talk about these things. So that my truth prevails, and that's so important, guys. I mean, this excites me, but it it should excite all of us, regardless of if you've got kids or no kids or maybe you've got grandkids or great grandkids or you're married, unmarried, remarried, whatever it is, wherever your life situation is. If you are an adult and you are a follower of Jesus, God's calling us to invest in the next generation because they're the future of the church, and it's more than uh, just prolonging our faith. It's helping our faith prosper. It's more than just helping our faith survive. It's helping it to thrive and investing in the next generation so that they can be the hands and feet of Jesus and and be salt and light in the world. And that's so important for us to embrace. Because like it or not, and whether or not you're going to live to see it, this generation will one day be leading your business. We'll be leading your communities. We'll be leading your schools. Or put it this way, we'll be leading your uh, hospitals, your nursing homes. That's scary, right? We want to make sure that we're investing in them. Um, leading your governments, and so it's so important that we that we invest in them and uh, into the future of, of the church. And so we're going to spend some time um, in order to be able to understand how do we uh, invest in the next generation. It's important for us to understand more about this generation of young people. And so for our kids and our students, their generation, the generation right now is Generation Z, okay? The generation before that is my generation, Millennials, any Millennials out there? We have a terrible generation, um, and then the, the generation before that. I mean, come on, you couldn't. Uh, we had Gen Xers, and, and it goes on uh, before that. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so, uh, so there's a lot. Every generation has its own challenges, has its own unique opportunities, and and for sure, this is not going to define every child or student. Um, but this just gives us a good glimpse at the at the challenges that are going on. Uh, in their world and, and helps us understand how to best invest in them. so we've got a lot of content that we're gonna just kind of go through and then I've got I'm really excited we've got a, a panel of experts that are kind to come in and share with you guys just some some really good stuff but um, but I do want to just spend a little time talking about generation Z and, and we've got plenty of notes so if you're a note taker, you're welcome if you're not sorry. but we've got a lot of little things here that, that I hope will be helpful for you to better understand uh, this generation so, Um, As we go through this, though, I want us to have um, just a picture that the the gospel of Matthew paints of the way that Jesus views young people. I want this to be the lens through which we look at young people and seeing what is the heart of Christ, because the heart of Christ is our calling as a church. And so how does he view young people? It says this in Matthew 19. Verse 14 and 15, or 13 through 15. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him, but Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. And then a a chapter before then in Matthew 18, there's another encounter about children About that that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And keep in mind at this time, I mean, in Jewish culture, kids were very much seen as kind of useless, unintelligent. They needed a lot of shaping. They needed a lot of growing, and that was about it. They didn't have any value really to bring. They needed to be shaped, and and there's certainly some truth to that, but Jesus did something radical here. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me, but If you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus has such a massive heart, such a massive compassion and desire for young people to know him. And with that comes a great intensity in trying to protect young people. Um, I've been... uh, my wife and I have been watching a show. There's a new season out on Netflix, and it's always problematic when this comes up because we don't have lives then. But uh, there's a show called Alone. Anyone Has anyone here heard of Alone? Heard of that show? There's, it's on the History Channel. There, These guys who are like survival experts, and they spend, they just send 10 people out. They each get 10 items, and they say, Good luck, survive as long as you can. Winner gets like a million dollars or something like that. And uh, it's crazy because they're just trying to survive on their own. And so many times they have encounters with bears. And one of the biggest things, one of the most common things they talk about with bears is, men, don't, if you see cubs, don't mess with the cubs, because where there are bear cubs, there's going to be a mama bear close behind. And if mama bear feels like her cubs are threatened, you're in trouble right? Like gloves are coming off and she's coming for you. She's dropping all inhibitions and going for you. I can remember I got the privilege of getting to backpack on the Appalachian trail for a week, several years ago. And uh, at one point we woke up, uh, we had our little tarp shelters and it was, like six o'clock in the morning, and I hear some rustling right outside, right on the edge of our camp, and I see these two little bear cubs. And was like, oh my gosh, they're so cute. What if we go pet them? You know, like that's kind of like my initial thought, because they're just these little guys. But then that other thought comes in, man, if, if we even come near them, we got to hope that these cubs don't come any closer, and they kind of veer off, because we don't want to upset mama bear. Some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about, because you grew up in a home, and you were raised by a mama bear. Right, or or some of you are married to a mama bear. That if you mess with mama bear's cubs, those claws are coming out, and uh, and and you're in trouble. Right, my uh, I I can relate. I grew up in a home where I can remember a time where I was uh, going to McDonald's. My mom was taking us to McDonald's. That was a a special treat, and. uh, we were i ordered a cheeseburger but i said no pickles because i don't want pickles I told my mom to order no pickles and so we get through the line she pays for it we get to the next window they give us the food it smells you can smell the fries and it's just you know instantly salivating so i open up the wrapper to my cheeseburger i take a bite and can you guess what i had i had pickles on it and it was sickening and i was upset and i was hurt and now, I, this was a time where things were simpler. I was a little more sensitive. I was only 21 at the time. But um, no, no. I was, I was maybe four or five, and I can remember just kind of like, oh, they put pickles on the sandwich. And man, Mama's Bear's Cubs were threatened. So Mama Bear gets into, back into the drive-thru. And I can remember as a four- or five-year-old, I'm like... Mom, it's not that big of a deal. I can, eat, I can just take the pickles off. But no one was stopping her at that point. It was done. And so she you know, laid into the employees, and I just had to kind of sit there as a four or five-year-old, like, sorry, guys, you know, and just feeling bad. But my point is that man, Jesus has such an intense passion for young people. He'll do anything he can to protect them. And that's why he, he gives this strict warning to people, to us who are investing in young people says, man, if you lead them down the wrong path, if you teach them things that are contrary to my word, it would be better if we just tied a rope around your neck, weighed it down, and drowned you in the bottom of a lake. That's Jesus' words. And so that's, that's a sobering reality and should, should just uh, give us a minute to pause and make sure that we're being good stewards of the young people that God's put before us as a church we have about, uh, throughout the school year, we have about 200 to 300 kids and students that come each week to be a part of our programming here at First Free Church. And I, I looked it up, and um, since this past January, we've had 720 kids from birth to uh, seniors in high school come and be a part of some, some programming here First Free Church. That's Staggering, 720, that's an amazing, amazing thing that God would entrust us with that many young people's lives, that God would give us an opportunity to have an impact on that many young people's lives. But at the same time, it's a sobering thought to say, man, God's trusting us with that sinful, broken people. And so it should just give us pause to think about how do we best steward that well and care for them because each and every one of those kids and students, they need adults investing in their lives. There was a researcher who spent some time uh, just noting that there were a lot of high schoolers who graduate from, uh, from a, a church. And you know, when they graduated high school, they um, walked away. A lot of them walked away from their faith as they got into college or uh, into career. They decided to say, okay, what separates the the students that graduate high school and actually keep their faith? They would say they they owned their faith. Their faith was their own. What does that look like? What separates that group of students that seem to just thrive when they graduate high school in their relationship with Jesus from those who just seem to fall away as soon as they graduate? They found two things, two key indicators of people, of students who graduate and have a real faith that's their own. The first is that they're serving regularly, that, that, there's, um, that they're acting out their faith. They're involved in serving with, uh, in the church. They're active in serving in their communities, and they're active in serving outside of the boundaries of their church and their communities. The second key indicator of a student graduating high school with a faith that's their own is that they have five Caring, godly adults speaking life, love, and truth into their lives. Now, we've got some amazing families here at the church, and um, it's just really cool to see how invested a lot of our parents are. But even those, those uh, students and kids who grow up in a family, who's invested in the church, who's invested in them, who's raising them up to be a godly young men and women, even those families still only have two Caring adults, which means what? Which means that kid or that student, they need three other adults investing in their lives. The church needs you. The church, the young people need uh, you and me to invest in them. So let's jump into just, uh, I want to talk about three characteristics that I think kind of um, encapsulize quite a bit of Generation Z and give you a better understanding of uh, some of their strengths and some of their challenges. And so uh, just to have a, I have a word or a phrase to kind of go through these three characteristics. So the first word, the first thing that I want to talk about with Generation Z is that they are screenagers. Screenagers. I didn't come up with that. I wish I did. That's pretty clever, isn't it? Um, screenagers. Generation Z is on their screens a lot, more so than ever before. And there's more screens than ever before. So that kind of makes sense. There's a study done during the pandemic to kind of see screen use before and after the pandemic hit. Um, Before the pandemic hit, the average kid or student spent 3.8 hours a day on screens outside of school. So this has nothing to do with school, whether it was online or or in person. It was 3.8 hours per day on screens outside of school. That number jumped from 3.8 hours a day to 7.7 hours a day during the pandemic. Y'all, that's seven days a week. That's more than a full-time job. All right. So, and that's outside of the screens and things that they're on at school, or maybe they're doing online school, which adds to that. So, this is a generation, and I'm not commenting whether that's good or bad, like it or not. That's reality. That's just where we are at, and a. Uh, f- this is something that's going to continue to be a part of reality. There's not, you know, measures being taken in schools or in workplaces of less screens. It's only becoming more prevalent. And so this is a part of their future that they're going to need to learn to adapt in a world that's increasingly more in front of screens. I mean, there's entire careers that have been developing over the pandemic that are, that are uh, sitting employees in front of a screen all day. But it's important to just know this. That our students are really involved in screens and what's really interesting about this is that our students now have way more ability to influence the world now because of screens and because of the Internet than ever before. That's why generation Z is already the generation of today. So the question is not how do we prepare them for when they're influencing the world. The question is, how do we equip them right now? Because they are influencing the world. They are changing the world. And so it's important for us to understand, to enter into their world, to understand, to listen to them, to to, to just get to know them better because their world is shaping our world. Their world is shaping our world. This is the first time in human history, really, that now we adults, we're downstream of young people. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen y'all adopt the trends like two years after, you know, everyone crowded Facebook, and then all of the teens were like, yep, see ya. And we see that in each whatever different, uh, different trend that goes on is young people are... are guiding culture and guiding society today. And so it's so important that we help them. Now now with that, there's a tragic irony that these uh, young people are so connected online. I mean, they can just access relationships so quickly and so easily, and yet they are the most relationally disconnected generation ever. I mean, as far back as the research goes, loneliness rates are higher in this generation than ever before. Because while every other generation in human history had to learn how to connect online, I mean, some of y'all, you, you, you remember AOL Instant Messenger where you're like, how does this work? You know, I can text some, or I can send a text and they'll get it immediately and I don't have to open the email. Right, like every other generation had to learn how to connect online. This generation has to learn how to connect offline. The Internet was the default. That's their world. That's what they're used to. And that's not a bad thing, but it's an adjustment. And they need your help learning how to to connect. It becomes our job to connect with the disconnected. That's our calling as a church is to connect with the disconnected. Now, many of you, you've needed young people at some point to help teach you technology. Whether it's setting up the printer, getting your internet Wi-Fi set up, mobile hotspot. Some of you, you're still holding out because you're too ashamed to ask them how to increase the text size on your phone so you can read it, right? We need need young people to help us with those. But in the same way, they need you to model for them what it means to have godly, intentional authentic relationships with other people so that they can be better equipped to share the gospel with those around them, and they can be better equipped to have community and experience that the way that we were meant to as human beings. And and that's something I love about our small group leaders and our adult volunteers and Kid Connection and student ministries and just the uh, how they uh, just model what it means to build relationships, authentic relationships. Just being open and honest and connecting and just listening and talking. Just how do you interact with each other? I mean, just the simple doing life together. And I love, I love that. All right. So first thing, first characteristics that they're screenagers. Second characteristic of Generation Z that's really noteworthy is mental health. The other downside or potential downside to the screen use of young people is that there's been a lot of research, tons of research, showing the connection between screen use and mental health struggles, whether it's anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. There's been so much research showing that the increase of, that, the, the, the increase of screen time has led to the increase of these mental health struggles, these issues, and um, more so than than ever before. Especially when it comes to the use of social media. And I have a graph here that kind of helps you see the last 40 years. And this is young people for the past 40 years. And and trends. And you'll notice that there's certain things on there that we would kind of consider pretty traditional delinquent behavior. Drug use, cigarettes, um, uh, uh, premarital sex. Those rates have steadily declined over the years. Even the use of TV has dropped quite a bit. But then you, know, you notice what goes up the other way. Screen use, feelings of hopelessness, seriously considering suicide. These, these rates have increased. And this, is, this study, this research, is from 2019. If you look at things post-pandemic, those rates have skyrocketed for this generation. And so it's really important to start thinking about whether you've got kids in your home or you have some sort of relationship, some sort of mentoring relationship, or God's placed um, some young people in your life to make an impact. How much time do you spend talking about the, the kind of traditional delinquent behaviors and issues, which, again, those are important to touch on. There's, there's, they still exist. But how much time do you spend talking about those things? Then how much time do you talk about? the reality of mental health with them. And you may say, well, Steve, mental health, it wasn't really an issue. In my generation, we just sucked it up and blah, blah, blah. I, you know, that's whatever. I, whatever your thoughts on mental health are, whether you think that, oh, there's, you know, we're over prescribing or we're over diagnosing or whatever those thoughts are, it doesn't really matter. Because you might be right. Maybe it wasn't an issue in your generation, but it is in this generation, and it's a real thing. This isn't something that's been made up, and this is something that this generation is really struggling with, and they need people that they can feel like they can trust and talk to, and it starts with you opening up conversations with them because here's the reality. What you don't talk about speaks the loudest. What you don't talk about speaks the loudest. When you don't talk about something, guess what? They're gonna these young people, they're going to be talking about it with someone. And if it's not you, it's someone else. And you not talking about that communicates to them that you're not a safe person to talk to about it. And So they'll go anywhere else to have those conversations. So we, as as Christ's church, as his body of of believers, as adults, need to uh, have the courage to step into these difficult conversations and just listen. We need to connect with the disconnected by just hearing their story, hearing their pain, hearing their struggle, and just be there and be available and step into those. Third, so we've got screen agers, mental health. Third characteristic I want to talk about is uh, I want to call this generation the Shark Tank generation. I made this one up, so I'm pretty proud of this one. Okay. The Shark Tank generation. Uh, if you haven't seen Shark Tank, great show. Uh, I, uh, it's about some rookie entrepreneurs who will come up to uh, these multi-million dollar investors and try to pitch their ideas, pitch their companies, their inventions, whatever it is, and try to get an investor to to give them money, and, uh, and so there's a lot of bartering, and it's a, it's a whole lot of fun to watch, pretty entertaining. Uh, I'm convinced, my wife and I, uh, we have an 18-month-old, and he was, uh, after he was born, we were in the postpartum room, and we spent pretty much a whole day just passing the time watching Shark Tank. So I'm pretty sure that our son is going to be on Shark Tank someday and become an entrepreneur, maybe making millions. I mean, we can only hope. So, um, but it's a great show. Uh, but I think this generation, in fact, the research shows they have a large, large, large capacity for entrepreneurship. They have a huge entrepreneurial spirit. Now, this generation, they were born after 9 11. They don't know what that was like. You know, I'm sure almost everyone in this room that was um, alive for that can remember where you were when that happened. I mean, it was a huge moment in our nation's history. They were born after that, and a lot of them watch their parents go through not just the, the fearful time of feeling vulnerable as a nation, but also through the housing market crash in, in 2008 and watch their parents struggle with the realization that their, you know, perceived stability on finances was falling apart. They didn't maybe know what was ahead in their future financially. And so this generation has um, a very, very uh, large desire to have financial stability. Way more than, uh, than the past few generations. I mean, millennials, we just, you know, Wanted to get in our tiny homes and not have any money and travel the world and beg people for money so we can eat food. But this generation, they're all about financial uh, security. I'm pretty sure it's because of Generation Z that everywhere you go now, they ask you for a tip. And you're like, what am I even tipping? They literally gave it. Like, I went and prepared this food, and you're asking me for a tip now. Right? Because they're like, man, how can we just get more financial security? And so uh, Generation Z is really big on that. And you combine that with the world being at their fingertips with technology and their ability to create and to connect so easily. Now you can be a content creator on YouTube. You can be a celebrity on TikTok. You can be an influencer on Instagram. You can use these different ways. And I mean, you can do it at eight years old. You don't have to be a full-grown adult to do these things. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've walked in and you've seen your kid or, or, or a student um, like, watching a YouTube video of a dude playing video games, right? And they're making like a career out of that. And that's just like the world's at their fingertips. The opportunities are endless. They can create as much as they want through these options. And so you combine those two things, this this world at their fingertips and this desire for financial security. It's like, I can do this. I can create a career From this, and so there's a massive, massive entrepreneurial spirit. And it's an amazing thing. There's some great opportunities there. And what that entrepreneurial spirit has led to, and this is really cool, is this generation is really passionate about wanting to be able to help people. Whether that's through developing some new technology. Or just being a part of a project or raising awareness for something. This generation just goes above and beyond trying to help. Uh, This generation has such a high value for compassion. And I don't want us to miss that. That's an incredible thing. That's the heart of Jesus. And I'm not even, I'm talking about this generation like outside the church too. They sometimes understand the heart of Jesus better than we do. But the issue is, are, is this generation always compassionate? Absolutely not. Right? I just you just have to go onto a Twitter feed or wherever they're at, go on to anything, and you see there's not a whole lot of compassion in this world. So the reality is, this generation values compassion, but it's more about just feeling compassionate or appearing compassionate. And that's why this generation needs. Our help needs you to step in and just um, um, create some opportunities to really make a difference and channel that compassion into doing something. See, there, young people today, they have so much access to information. I mean, there's news of giant events happening all over the world every single day. And everyone seems to think, man, we need a big solution to this big problem. And you think of all the hot button issues of today, LGBTQ+, you think of global warming or abortion or taxes or the economy, whatever it is. And you have politicians on both sides of the aisle grandstanding and saying, I have the solution. I've got a big solution for this. And they, they come up with all these sensational ideas and say, like, I will fix this. I know how to do it. The reality is sensational solutions make people feel good. Small solutions make people do good. Small solutions is where people actually get involved and do something about it instead of just feeling like they're making a difference. We uh, we had an opportunity with our our middle school and high school students this past uh, June had the opportunity to go uh, out of state. For our high schoolers, and then uh, over to Kansas City with our with our uh, junior hires, and get to serve um, in different contexts, get to be exposed to um, people of different socioeconomic uh, backgrounds, and just get a, a real chance to see our students get to uh, serve out of their comfort zone. And it was so amazing to uh, to be able to just see the way that they uh, just got to be the hands and feet of of Jesus. And so our high schoolers were down in Memphis, Tennessee, and we partnered with a a ministry called Service Over Self. And Service Over Self has been uh, down in the heart of Memphis for almost 40 years now. And their mission has been really simple. It's share the love of Jesus through construction, through, more specifically, repairing roofs. And so it was... You know, fun getting to see our students get to go up on the roofs and actually repair roofs for these people who couldn't afford to put one over their head. And what I love about the ministry of service over self is, you know, you think about it and you go, you know what, though, but there's so much more to a house than just a roof. And there's so much more to someone's livelihood than a house. And there's so much more to someone's core being than just like their physical luxuries and physical comfort. But what's been so amazing to see is the Countless lives that have been touched by this ministry over 40 years that's just said, We're going to do, we're going to have a simple solution. We're going to have a a simple mission and value of just helping put roofs over people's heads and the conversations that come out of that and the opportunities to share Jesus with people in both word and deed. I mean, we saw it in our week. We, we saw, um, you know, not just homeowners getting to, to, to feel the love of Jesus, but like, you know, you have neighbors walking alongside and they do kind of one of those double takes, like what the, why are there teenagers up on this roof? And we just get to have these opportunities to tell them, hey, this is because we're from a church out in St. Louis and we just wanna share the love of Jesus with you by, by showing you, um, by, or by just giving you a roof and just working on this. It's just been amazing. so as small solutions make people do good. So I guess the, the question is, if, uh, how, how, do we, how do we help them think of small solutions? And part of that is just talking with young people, asking them, What they're passionate about. Ask them what needs they've noticed. That means not disparaging them for talking for being really concerned about something that maybe you're not concerned about or disparaging them for just trying to do something simple to be a part of that solution. And instead, encouraging them, encouraging that entrepreneurial spirit and seeing, like, how can we make a difference in these small ways? I was just talking to a mom recently who their uh, student was just really passionate about. Man, I just I, I hate the treatment of animals in the way that they're being processed in some of these mass facilities. How do we how do I make a difference? And so they said, hey, let's be more intentional about the products that we buy and. Um, from companies that are actually, you know, being good stewards of God's creation, and buying from companies that, um, you know, yes, God's given us this food to eat, but but He's also given us dominion to care for these animals while they're while they're in our care. So I love that. I love that. So if if a big solution or if big problems require small solutions and not sensations. You need to start small by connecting with the disconnected. I've already said that a couple times before, and that's no accident. The answer to this question, how do we invest in the next generation, is that simple. It's just connecting with them. Just listening, hearing them, talking with them, getting to know them. Just build relationships with them. Whatever that context may be for you. I mean, that could be in down in Kid Connection or in student ministries in a more formal way. Yeah, there's always gonna be needs there and we'd love to talk more about that, but maybe God's putting on your heart some other opportunities to get involved in just investing one or two young people. My dad used to teach me a lot about finances growing up and one thing that always stuck with me was that, he'd say, Steve, When you're getting the paycheck, when you're getting whatever your income is, just take a small chunk of that. I mean, it can be small enough that you don't even really notice it's gone, but just put it away and invest it. And you may not even think about it. You may not realize that it's gone because it's a small amount. But at some point down the road, it's going to get to a point where you can't miss it. And and that's what it's like with investing in young people. It's these small moments, just listening to them, just walking alongside them, hearing their stories, getting to know them, showing interest in their lives. And then maybe, just maybe, you'll have earned the place to speak into their lives and do what God commanded the Israelites, to share truth with them and to pass on our faith to them. There's plenty more we could talk about, but like I said, I really wanted to spend some time with a panel, we've got a group of experts that really have dedicated their lives to this uh, subject, to this generation. And so I just want us to, uh, if, you, if you don't mind, just joining me and welcoming them to the stage and, uh, and just hear from, from them yourselves. Can we welcome them as they come up? And I just got to say, we didn't plan the black shirt thing, but this is a great illustration of the impact you can have on young people. If you spend enough time, they just want to match you, so, um, right? Oh, okay, maybe not. Um, so, guys, before we uh, just jump into asking a little bit about hearing from your story and hearing your thoughts on this subject of investing in you, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell us your name, what, uh, what grade are you going into or where are you heading this fall? Maybe what's your involvement at school? Do you have any extracurriculars or anything? So we'll start with you, Caleb. Well, thank you. Hello. There we go. We got it now. All right. Well, You're supposed to be good with technology. What is it? It Who's
1: on? So my name's Caleb Miller. I go to Lindbergh High School. I just uh, finished my junior year there, and I'm going to be going to my senior year this fall. Um, For extracurriculars, I play football in the fall, and then in the spring, I'm going to be playing volleyball as
2: well.
3: Hi. My name is Carly Vanessa Delft. Um, So I just finished up my sophomore year, so I'm heading into my junior year at Parkway South High. And I guess for extracurriculars, I do a lot of soccer, and I enjoy running.
4: My name is Whitney Benting, and I just finished my freshman year at Westminster, and um, I'm involved in lacrosse in the spring.
2: My name is Alex Light. I will be going to eighth grade at Crestview Middle School, and I'll be doing hockey in the winter.
5: And my name is Caroline Slonaker I just graduated from Rittner. Um, I'm attending MOBAP in the fall to study elementary and early childhood education. And when I was in high school, I participated in Color Guard.
0: So, so let me start with this. What do you wish adults knew about young people?
1: Um, just to start that off, I would say just from personal experience, I would hope and... Um, just kind of see adults uh, appreciate the uh, ideas and maybe the knowledge that we have, and not only just in real life, but also about the knowledge of the Word. Because even though we're a lot younger, they can seem to, um, at least from my experience, they've been um, putting our age along with what our knowledge is. And and in reality, we can have a lot of knowledge about the Lord and also have a lot of knowledge about just real life things, even though we haven't been on this earth earth as long as they have, so.
5: Kind of going off of what Caleb said, I think that a lot of us teens have kind of felt like devalued because um, like adults don't think that we know as much because of our age. Um, And I think along with that comes like a pressure to grow up faster and to mature more because we think that we need to prove something um, to the adults in our lives that we know stuff, we can do stuff just as well as they can.
4: Yeah, and what Steve was saying earlier about mental health, like, it's a lot more common nowadays, and I feel like if you go to adults nowadays, they're gonna say, oh, well, like, you have more life coming. Like, your struggles are not as real as you seem. Like, you're gonna be fine, but they're just as important.
3: Yeah, and I'll be the one to ring up the phones. Um, I think of a lot of adults think that the phones are, like, ruining our lives. And while I agree that, you know, like Steve said, there's lots of mental health rates that are crises that are rising, Um, correlation isn't always causation. And I think a lot of the times teens tend to go to the phones as an outlet um, for a problem that's already there. And so it's kind of hard to figure out if it's the phone that's the issue or something else that the phone's just um, covering up.
2: Yeah, like our phone is an outlet it's how we show to our friends on how we're feeling at the current moment and like if there's like something wrong with us like we're having trouble keeping good grades in school and just like having a little bit of mental health issues they might take away the phone thinking that that is the problem but like our phone is our ally in this case because it shows our friends how we are feeling and like we can tell our friends like we can communicate with our friends through our phone to tell them how we are doing and if we need any help or not.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, sometimes we as adults can can simplify issues and say, well, it's just because of the time spent and that's it. And there may be uh, more complex answers to to that question. So what's up? You know, it's our desire as a church to invest in you guys and so uh, I'd love to just hear how has the church developed you as an individual person
1: um, so overall the uh, church has been able to not just help me grow in my faith but it's also been able to help me with um, greeting people with respected love um, just like as Jesus would um, I want to be able to respect people I want to be able to greet them with kindness and with like humbleness and hospitality and um, it's been able to help me figure out um, who I am as a person and who I am as to um, greeting people in general.
3: Yeah, so for me the church has really welcomed me in and done a good job on loving me and all that stuff and I think that it's really important because as the church has been loving me and welcoming me um, and just showing me who Christ is and what he's like, I'm then able to um, reciprocate that onto other people and then it kind of just like a shame where it's like I show, I get the love and then like I can show it to other people and I just think that's really important.
4: Yeah, for me it's really helped because some struggle like some of my struggles um, I became to realize that I should not be ashamed or feel guilty for putting them on God and I think it's also really helped me be, be like more like welcoming for my friends so they can easily come to me and obviously I don't know everything but I can just be there for them.
0: Awesome. All right, so as we talk about, you know, I mentioned mentors in in some capacity, you know, parents can be mentors, um, small group leaders or some sort of other or adult uh, volunteers, or, you know, there's more of those formal, but there's also just informal mentors, people, adults who are just investing in you in the day-to-day. What do you want from an adult who's investing in your life? Like, do they need to be cool? Because, I mean, if, if so, I may need to walk off this stage and just give up. But uh, what what do you look for for them?
5: Um, well, I think going off of the cool thing, I think everybody kind of has like a different like definition of what cool is.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Thank of, you for including me in that. Yep. Mm-hmm. No cap, right? Yep. Yep, yeah. that's about right.
5: Um, yeah. Steve Steve likes to try hard to be cool, and sometimes it's not cool. Sometimes it's, like, kind of cringe, and that's, in like, not too good because—
0: You're putting me on full blast. Yep. As they say. <laughs> um, Is that good?
5: Yeah. Yep, that was right, Steve. <laughs> um, but sometimes he uses them in the wrong context, and then it's like, okay, Steve, like, let's bring it down a notch. Like, we get it. You're, you're trying to be cool. Um, but I think that for a mentor, they just need to be able to be, like, willing to learn from us, willing to understand us. Um, I think that, like, even though they're a mentor, um, like, the relationship is still two-sided. They can learn from us still, and I think that we have, um, a lot to teach them and a lot to give them, and I think that, um, that's something that, like, I like from a mentor, that I need from a mentor, is just... Um, that willingness to understand me, to learn from me, and to just be aware of like the things that I'm going through.
3: Yeah, I think um, cool has a lot of meanings for me. It doesn't mean the same as everybody else. Um, When I think of like a mentor and kind of what I would like, what would make me feel comfortable is somebody who like doesn't judge me, obviously, first of all. Um, And also someone who doesn't just look for the silver lining on everything. You know, if I'm going through something, I don't want them to be like, well, at least you have this. You know, um, and I think just sometimes it's important to um, have someone who will just listen to you and just say, yeah, that's not okay, and like I'm here. And that's just like all I need to hear sometimes.
4: Yeah, I agree with you a lot, Carly. And then I also think if I go to an older person, I'm not always looking for advice, but just for comfort or someone to be like, what can I do for you? Like, how can I make you feel better? Because sometimes I don't want them to be like, oh, it'll be over soon. Like, you're fine. Like, just deal with it.
0: So would it be helpful in a situation like that for someone to ask you, hey, what do you need from me right now? Yes. I love it. I've learned that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still learning that from my wife. I'm not good at practicing it, but I yeah. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. So what what hopes do you guys have for... Your generation
1: Um, overall just hopes I think I would say just very hopeful for how we're able to spread the gospel be able to spread the love of Jesus both online and in person because I know with age it can also come with um, maturity and and we're able to um, do a lot better with in person and interpersonal skills with uh, greeting people like I was saying earlier Um, but also being able to have all those outlets and all these different like just availabilities online, just being able to um, go online, share that gospel, share the uh, love of Jesus overall, and just being able to um, uh, further that truth into the hearts of our generation and
0: not just the older generation here on earth. And I love that. You guys, did he speak for you guys? Was that pretty good? I think that was great. Put that on a plaque. I love that. No, that's great. So, um, you know, we talked about maybe how the church has developed you, but how can the church be better at reaching your generation and reaching young people with the gospel
4: um I think making the church look fun and not always like looking so perfect because like the church is not a perfect place like it should be fun like where you come in community and so I have we have down five F's food fun fellowship friends and faith and I think those all go together because you're with your community
3: Yeah, this is a really good question. And I decided to reach out to some of my friends to see kind of how the church could welcome them, because I feel pretty welcome, but I've also grown up in the church. And so I wanted to get a different perspective on people who had not. So the main thing that I gathered from what people had said was that there's lots of stereotypes with church. So, for example, like everybody kind of comes to church dressed all nice. We go worship and we go back. And I think people just kind of get shied away and scared from that. One of my friends um, had a really good response. She's LGBTQ and I was talking to her and I, um, (laughs) sorry, and she said that it wasn't that she didn't feel welcomed, but she didn't quite know where she'd belong and she didn't know if people would hate her for who she is or kind of like where she would fit in. Um, And I thought about this and I was like, wow. Um, And I was like, the real question shouldn't be how can I fit in the church or how can I um, change who I am to like come, but it should be who is Jesus and how can I meet him and how can I be with him.
1: Yeah, I agree with that a lot because I also have a friend, um, I have a few friends actually that I tell them about church and they kind of get shunned away from it because they feel like they are not up to the standards of what someone going to church should be like. When, and the most part like overall, like Jesus doesn't want us to be like, Fake or doesn't want us to put on a mask like dressing up and going to church is always a great thing but we always don't have to show up like everything is all right because jesus wants us to be genuine he wants us to be um true to him we he wants us to come to him for our problems and our trials that we might be going through and just putting on that mask just is not a genuine relationship so we just want to make sure that we can uh, let our generation know and the younger people that um Coming to church, you, no one is perfect, and everybody has their own stuff going on in their lives. And there's no need to um, put on that mask and act like everything is okay. Like Jesus wants you to come to Him with your problems, your trials, and everything included.
5: Yeah, I think um, another big thing, at least like for me when I was new to my faith, was just being really confused by like all of the like Christianese that we use, like sanctification, salvation, like all these like big words that you're like. you know, 10, 12, you're like, what does this mean? Like, I don't, you have no idea what it means and nobody's really taking the time to explain it to you. And I think that's a big thing of, um, reaching people with the gospel, not just teens, but adults too, is just explaining those words and just diving deep into what they mean so that you can have like a really clear understanding of your faith.
0: I love that. That's great. What, um, I've got a question for you guys, and I think this is—I think I speak for all the adults in the room when we say you guys got some weird trends, and we don't understand them. And so, can you just give us a little glimpse into your world? Give us a couple trends so we can be cool and hip for the next couple (laughs) weeks before those trends are gone. What? uh, (laughs) What do you got for us? Okay, so I have an idea just from that question
1: alone. So there is this app going around. It's been around for a little bit, but it just started getting really popular recently. Um, A few of you guys might know it. Um, It's called Be Real. So it's an app that allows everybody can download the app, but there is always at the exact same time, not every day, it can be a different time, it could be um, early in the morning, it could be later in the afternoon, it could be in the middle of the day as well. It could be right now. It could be right now, Yeah. So if you see them get
0: their cameras up and start taking (laughs) pictures, that's why. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so basically a short description is that notification is sent out and you have two minutes to um, post a picture with your back camera and with your front facing camera, kind of like a selfie. Um, But you're basically just taking a picture of what you're doing in that moment. You're just being real with whoever you're having uh, following, whoever is letting um, you follow them, and you're just being real in that moment, and you're able to um, see what, a little bit of glimpse of what everybody's doing in their lives. So it could be anything, it could be um, walking your dog, it could be you're out on a cruise, vacation, it could be absolutely anything, and people will just
0: see a little glimpse of what you're doing in that moment at that time. I'm just waiting for the congregation to adopt this. And so there's one time on a Sunday morning, everyone's just pulling up their phones in the middle of What <laughs> What else, what, are there any others?
5: Um, I have one, okay, so I work across from a movie theater and we have people that come in all of the time, like dressed really like fancy in like full suits, like the jacket, the tie, everything. And at the beginning I was like, why are these people like coming in here? I'm like, did they just come from like a wedding? Like, is it a funeral? Like I'm, I'm really confused about what's happening. And then I saw it on TikTok, and I was like, okay, this is what this is. It's the new minion movie. People are going dressed in like full suits to see this minion movie and the other thing that they were trying to do was they were like throwing bananas at the screen because that's what the minions do, like they like bananas. And so they were like throwing them at the screen and like making messes of all the movie theaters. But it's been like really entertaining to see people walk in to like a fast food restaurant dressed in a full suit and like nobody knowing why they're in there dressed like that. But it's really entertaining to see like once you know what it is, and you're like, yep, I know exactly where they were. <laughs>
0: that's fantastic I never thought I'd live to see a day when businesses would actually shut people out for being too nice be dressed and that's what we've seen at some, some movie theaters so all right, we, we've talked about um, the you know importance of, of adult mentors and um, just adults pouring into you guys and you know I've mentioned a, a few ways in which there's some adults here at the church whether it's in kid connection with our uh, staff or um, some of our small group leaders and student ministries. What what do you most appreciate about your small group leaders? You're all in small groups.
3: Um, I have two really amazing small group leaders, and there's a really, really, really long list of things that I appreciate about them. Um, But I think one of the main things is that it's always a judgment-free zone. And so I'll, like, finish talking to them and being like, yep, here's my life. Um, And they'll ask questions and they just won't judge. And it just feels really nice to have someone who um, may not always understand, but won't judge and tries to. And that just, it makes you feel really important and loved.
4: Yeah, my small group leaders, they're like really curious of what's going on in my own life. So usually Sunday night after after the summit talk, we have small groups and they really like ask deep questions to try to get us to open up. And they really like really want to know what's going on in our lives, not just because it's like a routine or they have to do it, but because they're genuinely curious.
2: Yeah. So like my small group leader, some of you guys might know him, Jason Cunningham. And but like either way, he's like always super friendly. He always wants to know what's going on with our life. Is there anything that he could help with us? And just like he just wants to know what's going on with our life, and just if he. If there's anything that he can do to help with us so just thank you Jason
1: Um, yeah so my small group leaders are super gracious they're very understanding with my small group and they're able to uh, be super um, understanding about what we want to talk about because my small group can definitely get a little rambunctious and a little um, off-topic once in a while so being able to be super gracious about what we want to talk about and then um, at some point bring us back in is super helpful and they just really understand us as who we are, and how old we are, and just what we're interested in, so.
5: Um, I really love how open and honest my small group leaders are. Um, if we, like, one of us opens up about something that we're struggling with, they're always pretty quick to, like, tell us if they struggled with it before, um, which really helps me just to know, like, somebody else has struggled with it, that I'm not alone, that they know what I'm going through, what I'm feeling.
0: That's awesome. I love hearing that. And, yeah, you know, we've got some just amazing volunteers throughout this church that are investing in young people. And you know, I hope that was an encouragement to them to hear that the investment they're making in your lives is, is having an impact. So that's great. Let me, let me close with one last uh, question for you. Um, as we wrap up our time here, what would you, if you could give some kind of practical advice for some uh, adults in this room who are saying, man, maybe I should... Um, i do need to get plugged into some way of investing in young people what are what advice would you give them um, as they seek to do that
5: um i would definitely say find an age group that you love whether that's here at church with the little kids or if that's somewhere out in your community um just find a group that you love and just serve with them serve around them um it's definitely cool to see your leaders serve with you i've had Um, my leaders like our grad leaders have all been with us since sixth grade so it's been really cool just to be with them for six or seven years and um, I think they probably think that it's cool to see us grow um, and just how we've grown in our faith and it's also cool for us to see um, how they just stick with us and um, have been with us for so long and just keep pouring into us and pursuing us.
3: Well, I think the first thing that's important is just to meet us. Um, Not all of us are the same, for better and for worse. Um, And just don't jump to conclusions. Just try to listen. Um, But really listen with the intent to understand. Even if you can't, just try to understand. And I think after you listen with that intention of understanding, the investing part comes so much easier.
1: Um, And before I mention this, he did not pay me to say this, he did not tell me to, but becoming a small group leader is also a great way, I think, that you can get involved uh, with the uh, younger generation. Um, just being able to get plugged in with them and being able to be surrounded by that younger generation, I think, is just a great way to get invested. And, um, but in all reality, I would say, um, whenever you might encounter, like, a team, whenever you might just see them on the either on the street or someone you know in your family and on someone that you might um, just randomly see, um, just talk to them genuinely about anything, and just try and be more invested in um, what they care about. I mean, maybe do a little bit of research, you definitely don't have to, but um, just understanding, like, the trends we have or, like, the, um, the stuff that we care about at this time of age, I feel like is a great way to um, get more invested into our generation um, and just not putting on an act, like, you feel like you have to talk to us or, like, you have to feel like you have to talk about um, what's going on latest in our lives, but also just diving deep, diving deep into what we care about and
0: what we cherish at this age, so. Yeah, thanks. That I mean, you guys have really, some of you, just in your answers, what struck me is um, you're really modeling for us what it looks like to reach your generation, which is just by being present with other people um, your age. As some of you just mentioned um, talking to your own friends who aren't involved in a church and asking them questions and seeing what their experience with the church is and that's such an amazing example of what we as the church ought to be doing with um with anyone we encounter but also with young people and just asking them questions and building relationships and getting to know them because if we don't know why they're you know not involved in a church we're we're never going to know how to how to reach them with the gospel. So I love that. Thank you. Can we give these guys a, a hand and just thank them for You guys are awesome. And uh, I just want to close in in prayer, and uh, and then we'll head out. God, thanks so much for all that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to meet together here each week. God, what a privilege it is! And um, God, I just uh, I want to thank you for uh, the death of your Son Jesus on the cross. God, that every single one of us um, has has failed and has fallen short and has um, just imperfections of our own God, and we we need you. And so thank you for your son, Jesus, who who died for us so that we could um, have eternity with you. God, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to talk about what it looks like to invest in the next generation, something that's just so close to your heart, God, so near and dear to your heart. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would um, just allow First Free, enable and equip First Free to be a community of believers that takes seriously the calling you've placed on us, both as a community, but also as individuals to invest in the lives of young people. And God, I pray that you would um, just give us um, clarity in where you're calling each of us to find pockets, whether that's formally in a in a ministry context like our our family ministries here, or or informally, and just building relationships um, um, that are more organic uh, with with students. And God, I just uh, thank you so much for um, the opportunity that you've given us uh, before us with the, the kids and the and the students that you've put in our path here at the church. And God, just may we be a church that uh, stewards that well. And God, uh, correct us when we're we're going off stray. And Lord, I just pray for a, a blessing on the rest of our day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Don't forget, you can head to efree.org discussion uh, as you connect with your small groups and discussion groups throughout the week just to um, continue this conversation. But thank you and have a great rest of your Sunday.